3: Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often-overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, with me as always is my brother Travis, and today we are covering Block Party's debut record from 2005, Silent Alarm. Dude. I just found out that you are not really familiar with this album other than the mega singles that everyone knows. And that just fills me with joy, dude. I'm about to share some choice tunes with you.
1: Yeah, I mean I I know I know Banquet and I know Helicopter. Now, just hearing that intro song, I've I've heard it before. So like I I bet you I've listened to this record, but it's probably been maybe over a decade since I I listened to to the album all the way through. If I've ever done that before, looks like there's a lot of singles on this record, dude.
3: There is, yeah.
1: Which is crazy because I just thought "Banquet" and "Helicopter" were the singles. So
3: well, and those those are the two songs that like you know put them on the world stage. Yeah, but "Helicopter" and "Banquet" they're not really good representations of um, like the more I guess experimental stuff that you're gonna hear on this album.
1: Well, yeah, I'm looking at the genres that are listed on their Wikipedia page. Post-punk revival, art punk, and dance punk. So, yeah, that's probably what puts them sort of in their own separate category uh, when compared to, like, The Strokes and Interpol, the Yeah, 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 yes, all the other uh, post-punk stuff that was happening at that time, right?
3: Right, right. And that's something that they uh, set out to do. So members of the band, we've got... And I'm just going to do first names, dude, you know? That way we don't have to keep screwing up people's last names. (laughs)
1: Nobody needs last
3: names. So we've got Kelly. He's the lead singer. He writes most of the songs. Rhythm guitar as well. We've got Russell, lead guitar. So they are the founding members. They met in 99, and they started a band together. We've got Gordon on bass and Matt on drums. So, electronic dance music was a huge influence in how they put their songs together. That's really what made them stand out, I think. But, you know, again, you know, if you listen to Helicopter or Banquet, I feel like it just, you know, it feels more like, I don't know, like Franz Ferdinand. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can hear that. The thing that always stood out to me about Banquet was the, the back and forth guitar, the, the main guitar riff is like this back and forth between the two guitar players or they, there's like an effect on it or something like that. But I, I think it's, I think it's a guitar player kind of going back and forth, which would be, I guess the lead singer. And um, what was the guitar player's name? Russell. Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Which I always thought was so, so awesome. I remember I, like I had a, a delay pedal, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just have a delay, like a loop, like a looping pedal. And I tried to, and I got it to work, I think once, but like I, I looped it and was able to play back in the two parts like with myself, nice in my bedroom. You know. Uh, anyway, I think they did that live like together. They would alternate, and I thought that was such a cool sound. But I'm curious to to hear kind of what else these guys do on this record.
3: Yeah, and I'm and I'm bringing songs that uh, are a little bit different, and you know, kind of highlight that dance punk side of, yeah, of yeah. Block Party. So, that intro song is called Positive Tension. It's a single, but it's one of my favorites, so it's it's why I snuck it in there as, as an intro song. But yeah, so I'm going to quote Kelly again. This is just going to be a, a music-heavy episode. I don't have too much info uh, from this era. I read a bunch of articles, pulled some some quotes here, but it's going to be mostly music today, dude. So... I'm going to quote Kelly again here. He says, our idea of modern rock is really rooted in what is happening right now in terms of the musical consciousness. Electronica, R&B, and pop informs how we put songs together. Uh, And then, so they're big fans of Radiohead. And he says here, they are a mainstream rock band who are completely aware of their limitations. They are willing to try things that are unnatural to them. Radiohead realized as we have that the essence of what is going to make rock music survive into the next century is if people start mixing styles that aren't supposed to be together.
1: That's a really great description of Radiohead. Yeah. And we talked about we talked about um that moment, I guess, after uh what was it? After um
3: After the Bins? After
1: the bins where yeah. where they where, where uh Tom was just kind of over like the 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 you know
3: the rock star yeah the, uh, the lifestyle and
1: yeah the what was being expected lumped into that category right yeah like the, the the generic like formula and stuff he was just tired of writing it remember he said he was tired of guitars remember yeah he said he was just he was over it like you know i mean that's probably kind of what what he's referring to here the block party guys is when they realize that like you got to start mixing it up make it sound different
3: Yeah, Kelly was interviewed just shortly after the album came out, and yeah, he was just saying, you know, at the time, I was just listening to a lot of electronic, you know, dance music, and that just kind of, uh, you know, because of that, it just kind of happened. Like, it was intentional, but it wasn't. A lot of it was just because of what he was into at the time.
1: There's kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of like, I'm reminded of the Foles guys, too, you know?
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, dude.
1: And that's kind of dance punky, almost right
3: for sure yeah like that uh, math rock mm-hmm. sound yeah all right dude let's play our first pick so we're gonna play the opening track dude and i've got two clips from this one such an awesome opener for an album dude and uh, i think this is a good representation of what made them stand out so this is again track one from silent alarm this song is called like eating glass
0: (音楽) ¶¶
1: track man i i have heard it before but yeah it's been a long time so going back to like the math rock comparison i think the drums and the bass you know i think that's something we've talked about before like with math rock songs the drums are always doing something crazy uh really complicated and and sometimes the the guitar and stuff might be a little bit more like subdued and stuff but the drums are always front and center like that's Big time uh, showcased in this song. Like this is a this is a song for the drummer and the bass player to like to shine. And this is like the first track on the record, which is really cool.
3: Yeah, and Matt. So so Matt Tong, he's the drummer. They went through eight drummers Whoa. before landing on Matt because eight drummers. Yeah, eight drummers, dude. Wow. And Matt is just a he's a fucking machine. Dude. He's great. So th- I mean, that tells you that like they needed.
1: And always knew that they needed, like, a really strong drummer. If you go through eight, that's eight insane. Drummers,
3: well, they were saying, like, you know, there were some, some guys that that were behind the kid that, you know, they just didn't feel like, it didn't seem like they wanted to be there. Like, they weren't into it. Oh, uh, okay. Or, um, you know, yeah, it just wasn't a good fit for the band. But, yeah. yeah, you need this style of drumming and this, like, precision to pull off Block Party's sound. Um, you know, and that leads to that, uh, you know, the dance side of, of this post-punk kind of sound. Yeah.
1: Well, so it wasn't necessarily that they couldn't find a drummer who could do what they needed the drummer to do. They just couldn't find one that meshed with them or wanted to make this kind of music. Or...
3: Well, I don't know if that was the case for all eight of them, but like, you know,
1: most bands don't go through that many drummers their the entire career of the band, you know, like the entire <laughs> right. run of the band. Right. I and mean, this is before their first record even comes out.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, perfect opener for an album.
3: So good, dude. And what I like about a lot of his lyrics, you know, uh, they're very emotional. Um, So this is a song about dealing with, uh, you know, those feelings of, um, you know, your relationship kind of failing, you know, falling apart. Like, it's so cold in this house. Hurts all the time when you don't return my calls. I can't eat. I can't sleep. Can't sleep. I can't dream. And there's a great quote here from a guy named Mike Diver. He says, Silent Alarm didn't just make the band household names. It was a pivotal post-millennium release. You can wear your heart on your sleeve while delivering punchy, pop-savvy rock music that appealed to radio heads and dance floor doyens alike. I don't know what doyens is. Could be a,
1: like a British term. Term. <laughs>
3: And that bridged the commercial critical divide brilliantly. Very true, dude. And yeah, mm-hmm. he wears his heart on his sleeve with these lyrics. And um, yeah, I love his voice. I love his delivery. Yeah. And uh, I've got another clip here. I want to show uh, just kind of the outro of the song, the build up, And there's kind of a change up at the end that's really cool. So here is clip two from Like Eating Glass. That's it. So awesome, dude. Yeah, I love it when a song ends like that. It always gives me goosebumps, man, that ending. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: And I love those lyrics. He says, we've got crosses on our eyes, been walking into the walls again. He was interviewed in The Guardian, and he said, cartoon characters have crosses on their eyes when they die. (laughs) I always thought that was a really powerful image. I was just trying to convey in a really childlike way what it was like to be in a relationship that was falling apart. The quality of being completely disoriented. It's great, dude.
1: I feel like um, the tone of, of their guitar playing is kind of more in line with Interpol's guitar tone. Yeah. Or um, Friends Ferdinand. Yeah.
3: Especially when you listen to the singles, Helicopter and Banquet, you know, the, the big singles. Yeah, but
1: they don't do much distortion, I feel like. It's very angular style with some reverb on it. Um, and I, I really like that, that style because it really it, i feel it matches the the lyrics and just the the tone overall of the of the group is very cohesive like his vocals the lyrics the the guitar and everything and all it all works really well together i feel like
3: yeah i love his uh his voice yeah
1: man where do we go from here that's a that's a great song you know
3: so this next one dude is uh, a bit more heavy i'd say and um very uh percussive heavy and I'm kind of cheating here because this is technically a single from their, uh, they had an EP that came out before this in 2004, uh, but this is a completely re-recorded uh, song, you know, so it's totally different vibe, sounds Sounds kind of different from how it sounds on the EP, um, but yeah, dude, this is, uh, again, you know, just kind of showing what else these guys do uh, on Silent Alarm. So this is track six, it's called She's Hearing Voices. up that distortion for you, dude. Dude, I love it. Um
1: so do we know if this is probably mainly Russell, right? The guitar player. Um because he does the lead. Right? He's the lead, yeah. Yeah, he's great, man. He's he's got a lot of uh, I was actually looking into his sort of his gear rundown um just now actually while this was was playing because I was wondering like what kind of effect pedals and stuff he uses. For this record, it seems like he was pretty pretty minimal like he had a um basically like a a a distortion pedal an overdrive pedal and like a delay pedal and that's it or at least that is what um people noticed on his um his performance uh, their conan o'brien performance back in 2004 when they were promoting this record that that's all he had and they were playing banquet right but anyway like that's kind of his his pedal setup for, for this era and like he does a lot with very little, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: as far as his his uh, his guitar pedals and the effects and stuff that he's putting on here, but um, yeah, I just love it,
3: and I'm I'm hearing some Foles yeah. math rock vibes in a lot of these songs, but um, but yeah, they take that and and make it more uh, you know dancey even uh, you know like that drum beat especially it's very um, it's you know it sounds like an electronic dance beat you know like in the way they recorded it's very punchy you know
1: well the drums come on very strong again yeah right from the outset of the song you know
3: Uh, so i'm going to quote kelly again here he says there's a real sense of space and atmosphere that you will hear in a techno house style but you will not hear in a three minute guitar pop song it is a very difficult thing to put the two together without sounding lame (laughs) yeah that's what they were trying to achieve with this record and they really pull it off dude so it's worth
1: noting, Q, if this matters to anybody listening—that uh, both, both Russell and Kelly, back then at least, primarily used uh, the Telecaster as their their main guitar.
3: Both of them did. Yeah. Nice.
1: Uh which is cool because you know it's the Tele or the Strat as far as the Fender guitars that most people think of. But um, I think it's interesting that they both chose to use the same guitar.
3: Yeah, that is cool.
1: I think that you know that means that they they wanted to. To to be like uh, in sync in that in that way as far as and it makes sense if the, with banquet they're going back and forth you know what I mean right kind of sync uh, synchronized with each other
3: yeah let's talk about these lyrics too dude I, I like them a lot so she's hearing voices it's about a paranoid schizophrenic she's hearing voices call her she's hearing voices warn her I love the chorus dude she go red pill blue pill. Red pill, blue pill. Of course, that's a reference to the Matrix. You know. Yep. Really cool. Really cool.
1: Man, it's it's hard to undersell or underestimate the impact that the Matrix had on pop culture. Like, it's, yeah, dude. Like you don't like when they came out. I mean, you and I were young. I think it was what ninety nine that the Matrix came out. That sounds right. Yeah, ninety nine. So this is just a few years later. But yeah, that that movie, man. I was watching, uh, there's, there's a documentary, I don't remember what it's called, but um, it talks about basically uh, the world being a matrix type thing where- This is all a simulation, dude. Yeah, but it was talking about the impact of the matrix on that whole, um, that whole mindset and stuff. Yeah, man. Anyway, let's
3: take a quick break. Alright dude, so moving on. This is my favorite song on the record. Always has been. I'm just, I'm I'm pumped right now, dude. I'm really hoping that you haven't heard this song before, dude. Alright, so this is track nine on the album. It's called Price of Gas. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard that song? No. Oh man, which is crazy
1: to me that I've never heard that before. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's great. That that's a perfect example of 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 everything that makes them different. Yeah, that's the dancey side of it. Yeah, dude, and all the guitar, all the stuff that he's doing with his guitar again, dude. Um, Russell Lissick, he he may not get as much credit as he deserves uh, from that from that era for what he was doing, but I I, I love that they. That they reference Radiohead as an influence because like you can hear it, like you can hear that they're experimenting and, and doing different things and they don't sound like Radiohead at all, but I'm just saying like as far as if that's their mindset of like, you know, Radiohead always strived to do different things and to experiment and to mix in different styles.
3: Yeah. They were role models, if anything else, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they are, it, with block party it's it's all it it all sounds cohesive like it all sounds like the same idea or the same um band i guess with your head like you'll they bounced around a lot more i think but yeah you can hear it with the way they're experimenting with the guitar and like some of the effects they put on his voice and 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 yeah um really cool stuff man i love i love all that stuff he's doing in the background with that guitar he uses his effect pedals um in a really effective way
3: well and you mentioned them using the same guitar and yeah they do kind of uh like it feels like you're hearing just one guitar um you know but you can tell they're they're bouncing back and well, forth. i don't know
1: yeah i don't know if they're doing that in every song i know they did it in banquet yeah but uh but yeah really cool
3: yeah and those drums too man just yeah i mean the, dr-
1: yeah, the dr- drummers and the bass player just
3: a machine dude. killer yeah all right man i got one more song for us so this is again going to be a little bit on the heavy side you know, which I like. So this is track 11. This one's called Luno.
1: Another great example of of that guitar playing, man. So that's his delay. Like you can hear his delay. Like he's just kind of turning the knob on on, on the delay a little bit.
3: Yeah, really cool. Uh,
1: which sounds really awesome. Yeah, man. Drums again, dude. Front and center. Oh yeah, this album stands out, man. It really does.
3: But you know, you gotta you gotta listen to it from from track one because again, like if all you know is Helicopter and Banquet,
1: I think Helicopter and Banquet are similar to other bands that were out at the time and maybe that's why they they were the the songs that they made it to the airways and stuff because it it sounded like what was happening but like you said that's not what makes block party block party you know no it's more some of this other stuff the the other ways that they're experimenting and that's why i was taken back by the taken aback by the the dance punk genre that i saw on
3: there because but you hear it, yeah
1: you hear it on some of these other tracks but you don't necessarily hear it in helicopter or banquet
3: let's let's play helicopter dude we we keep talking okay. about it i really want to you know bring this home that do you like, want to hear
1: helicopter or banquet
3: let's do helicopter dude okay. yeah it's it's even more like helicopter is like like in your face right from the beginning and, it, and it's it's great it is but like you know like you were saying it does feel more like the you know Post-punk garage rock stuff that you're going to hear around that time. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, so here is that mega hit that everyone knows: Helicopter. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, I don't know, it feels different to me. There's, it's it's just not as like... It's not as interesting. Yeah, and like, you know, he was saying there's a real like space and atmosphere that you get in like a techno house style. Yeah. You don't really get that with Helicopter. And so I'm going to quote Pitchfork here real quick. So Pitchfork gave the album an 8.9 and it got that seal of approval best new music so it was up there for Pitchfork um, for for music in 2005, um, but here is what they say about it in the review. Just kind of talking about how like it did kind of fit into like a kind of like a cookie cutter album. He says so you get all the usual scrubbed up gifts, the slower song, the slower song that turns into a faster one, the one with the studio effects, the one with the hand claps. A lot of this material is surprisingly scripted. Hmm. I don't agree with him at all and I feel like if all you know is helicopter and banquet and you hop on Pitchfork and read this review you know like why would you even bother listening to the rest of the album if it's just another you know scrubbed up cookie cutter album you know like oh we've got the slower song we've got the slower song that that speeds up at the end we've got the hand claps you know they I think they're selling it short here yeah it's not it's not really it sounds
1: like that person maybe just listen to it, you know, like a glance, you know what I mean? Like took a quick spin through the album and then wrote a, wrote an article about it, you know?
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Reviews aren't always accurate. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've watched a movie and like loved it. And then went, went on to uh Rotten Tomatoes or something like that, just to see what the score was. And it just got like complete. It, it just tanked completely on like the, Audience score was really low, or something like that. But I love the movie, right? So,
3: happens all the time.
1: If I had, if I had went to Rotten Tomatoes and been like, oh, I'm not going to watch it, it got like a 40% score. Then there you go, dude. Missing out on a good movie. Yep. Same goes for, especially with Pitchfork. And, uh, dude, and this is what we say. I think we've said this about Pitchfork before. Back in this
3: era, I feel like Pitchfork was super. They were harsh, dude.
1: They were trying, they they were trying to to be, um, confrontational and, like, uh, super hypercritical, you know what I mean?
3: Well, it's weird that, you know, they give him an 8.9, and then he says something like that.
1: Yeah, that is fine. Now, of
3: course, I'm just pulling that, you know, like, that's just one line from the review. Sure, sure. But I thought that was interesting.
1: 8.9 is pretty damn high. That's actually Very high, high, especially yeah.
3: on Pitchfork.
1: But anyway, I, I think a lot of the Pitchfork stuff in the 2000s was, was very, like, opinionated and super... It- yeah. Snobby. Um, yeah, very snobby. They they seem to have, have stepped away from that a little bit more nowadays. I'm
3: sure they've changed hands many times since yeah, then. Yeah, just brought on more different writers and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it
1: seemed like they would... Like, who doesn't like this kind of music? Okay, you, you get to review this record. Because <laughs> you're going to be... You're going to say stuff that's just, like, not even relevant, you know? <laughs> right. Anyway.
3: Well, dude, I've got another clip from Luno. I I almost forgot. Another thing that I like about their songs is... um. The bridge and uh, you know the outros of the songs are always really interesting and cool. They always change it up at least once in the song. So here is clip two of Luno. Fucking awesome, dude. Love it. I just like the imagery
1: of like your nose. Yeah. Like your nose is bleeding. (laughs) Yeah. uh, In a, in horror movies and stuff, that's always like a bad omen, you know? Oh, the nose is bleeding. They're, they're possessed or the nose is bleeding. You know, something, something's about to go down. You know, if your nose is bleeding, there's nothing, nothing good's about to happen.
3: You know what I mean? I wonder if he's talking about like a nosebleed from like doing too much coke you know, because maybe like the rest of the song is about uh, someone that he knows that has uh, changed in a bad way over time. It's about memories you have of people and how life changes that is what Kelly says. Um, yeah, he says, your nose is bleeding. You've been lying to me. I just I think it's funny the 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 thought of him saying, uh, you know, like, oh, hey, by the way, your nose is bleeding. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it, anyway, anytime you see a nosebleed in, in a movie, that's like, it, for some reason, that's like, oh, shit's about to go down. You're thinking about uh, Stranger Things, dude? <laughs> well, Stranger Things. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Netflix series, there's that new one called Fear Street that I've been watching, and Bloody Nose, is it means you you just got possessed. Spoiler alert, but... Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway, it's a trope, I feel like.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I got, dude. Quick and dirty on this one.
1: Dude, a reminder to, to to go listen to this record again. For sure. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, that new appreciation for the guitar player, man. Really. I've always I've always loved uh what they did on Banquet and stuff, but hearing all the other things that, that he did on this record, he did he did a lot of cool things on this record. With with um like I said, I know there's some distortion here and there, but it's a lot of like that reverb overdrive delay Mm -hmm. i I really like that kind of stuff
3: yeah and so i brought the more uh heavy you know more exciting upbeat you know fast-paced songs like the guy from pitchfork said though there is some slow songs on here um and they are kind of what you'd expect to hear seems scripted uh feels kind of forced but still very good definitely worth the listen all the way through definitely
1: and I just love how consistent the mood is, you know. Yeah,
3: his voice, dude. I love his voice and his songwriting. Yeah, he has. A, there's a lot going on in that voice. A lot of like pain, anguish that he gets across. Yeah. Standout album from that era, and um, yeah, man, that's it. That's all I got. That's a, yeah, good, good,
1: good tunes, man. Good tunes.
3: Yeah, it's awesome that that I was able to bring some tunes that you had never heard before, dude.
1: Yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> crazy. Because I I know we had this record um, burnt on a CD because I remember the, I could see the uh, Sharpie letters in my <laughs> mind right now. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I, I broke one of our, our sins, man. I went straight to the singles, probably. How dare you? And then hit eject and maybe popped in an Interpol or something. But... Um,
3: How dare you?
1: Got to practice what I preach, man. <laughs> so we went from blink to block party, which was kind of... Um, kind of a a shift what are we doing next man i think we're going to shift it again well next week we're going to do our what you heard but after that we have talked about doing a a i guess he's a producer named rorksop oh hell yeah dude so we're going to do rorksop next and if you if you're unfamiliar with him you probably know one of his songs from a Geico commercial.
3: Oh R- Rorksop's two dudes. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, there's two dudes in that band. It.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, so Rorksop, you may you you probably know at least one of their songs from a uh, a Geico commercial that was pretty well known.
3: It was the very first uh, if not first, maybe second commercial of theirs with the caveman, remember? Yeah.
1: So there's a uh, there's a the song playing in the background of one of those commercials uh, that is a, a roorksop song. But anyway, one of the reasons that we're gonna talk about this record that's called melody am is that it features erland oya of kings of convenience on some of the uh tracks i think one or two tracks
3: yeah poor Lino and uh remind me and those might be singles yeah they're both singles okay but... But will
1: we'll, we might play it anyway oh yeah dude we'll play yeah, it yeah because you know we talked about kings of convenience a couple weeks back uh, a few weeks back we thought hey let's do workshop it's a killer record
3: it is man it really is
1: uh lots of singles on here we may have to we're gonna have to dig a little to find the the good tunes on here but um anyway so that's that's what we'll do after that and then maybe we'll we'll stay in that pocket for a little bit it's been a while since i've i've been in a down tempo mood but i feel like we've barely scratched the surface with with electronic and and down tempo on this show that
3: always happens on here man like yeah like we'll get back into it and then have like maybe two or three episodes and then steer into another direction yeah it's really hard to um to like have a good representation of down tempo you know
1: yeah well we've done tosca that was a long time ago um what else have we done really really I mean we've done like Eamon Tobin and bands like com True's, Tycho stuff like that but but anyway there's a lot that we could we could stay in that vein for a little
3: bit I feel like that would be a good uh transition from worksop, you know, kind of ease us into that. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, there you go. So we'll we'll mix it up. You know, we've been we've been doing a lot of rock lately. It's time to time to switch directions again. So yeah, we'll do worksop after next week's What You Heard, and then we'll see what happens after that. All right. Well, that's that's all we got for you for this week. Uh you can find us on Twitter at no filler podcast. Reach out to us and uh, let us know what you think about. Just let us know what you think in general. <laughs> what are you thinking? Tell us a uh, tell us a song that you've been listening to lately that you've been really digging, or a band that you've been really digging on lately. Uh, if you if you get that into us before we record our what you heard, we may um, we may use you as an outro and uh, feature your song. We, we've done that before with a couple of listeners. So reach out to us.
3: You know, I want to do that for every What You Heard, dude. I'm hoping we can get outros for our What You Heards from our listeners, dude. That's what I want. Yeah,
1: basically, you know, we want to know what what have you been hurting lately? What You Heard. That's the name of the show, the episode.
3: Yeah, what have you been hurting?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter. You can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That is the uh, the home of of many great music podcasts. That's the the music-centric podcast network. We are a part of that family. That's PantheonPodcasts.com. And, uh, Kim, I'm going to throw it back to you because you've got an outro song for us that you're going to tell us about.
3: Okay. So I've spent the last couple hours searching for a song uh, because, according to Kelly, that song, Like Eating Glass was inspired by a remix of the Smiths' There is a Light That Never Goes Out. And that's one of my favorite Smith songs. It had to be a remix that he heard from around 2002, because that was around the time that they were working on Like Eating Glass. I have looked everywhere, dude, and I can't find a remix of that song from around that time. Best I Can Do, and, you know, this could be the song that he was referring to, There is an electronic artist that goes by Schneider TM. Very um, electronic-y, pop music, dance, IDM stuff. So it's very possible that this is what Kelly was listening to in 2002. It's not a remix. It's a cover of that Smith song. So we're going to play us out with that. So this is a cover of The Smiths. There is a light that never goes out by Schneider TM. He calls it... The Light 3000, and that's going to play us out. Thanks again for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.